drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, caught, touchdown, Detroit Lions, Marvin Jones. Stafford! Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on? Everybody out there, Detroit Lions fans, we are back for another week of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I got Grifka here with me. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Just living the dream, living the dream. Grifka, are you ever going to tell us about this dream, or are you just living it all day, every day? Nah, you know, you know what the saying is, if it's in your mind, it's just a dream. But when you write them down, it becomes goals. So I just keep it in my mind. <laughs> okay. Getting all uh, philosophical on us, Griffka, right off the top uh, here. But uh, we got lots to talk about, man. We're coming off the week where uh, Lions had a big free agent week. I'm going to talk about that. I really want to dive into kind of that top eight of the draft, talk a little bit about that. We've uh, got cap space up the yin-yang still. What the heck are we going to do with that? And then I got a little surprise for you, Grifka. I got a little something-something for you as we get to the uh, middle to the end of this podcast. So you ready to get into all this right now? Yeah. Yeah. Do this. I'm interested in the surprise. (laughs) All right. Well, Grifka, we – right off the top here, uh, we actually got the free agents in the building. Uh, Took a little bit longer than I would have hoped. I'm thinking, man, is Trey Flowers really coming? Because uh, it's – he needs to get to 222 Republic Drive. He did show up as well as the other free agents, and I thought they were great, man. I, I really liked what Trey Flowers had to say. I liked his demeanor, um, just kind of that no-nonsense leadership type of thing. You know, I, I liked what the other free agents had to say. Uh, Jesse James got to the podium, things like that. Did you catch what our uh, new Lions had to say, or you got any thoughts now that they are officially signed on the dotted line? Um. Like you said, it was uh, nice to get them in the building and see that they signed after that whole Anthony Barr fiasco. I believe, uh, I can't remember who tweeted it, saying that this wasn't going to be the only one. So once that came out, I was kind of like worried because I hadn't heard anything from the Lions about these guys. And you're right, Trey Flowers is the biggest one. I mean, if some of those other guys, you know, said, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else, I could have lived with it. But Trey Flowers was the big one. So, uh. Once they got all those guys in the building, it was nice nice to hear that and see that. And, um, and like, you know, just Trey Flowers, you know, saying how he, like, you know, Patricia, I want to come here and play here with him. So that's a good thing. You're picking up somebody. It's like, yeah, it's, he got paid, but still, it's a guy that uh, he wants to play for as well. <laughs> now, Griff, I try not to cut you off there. I know the people love it when I jump right on top of you and, and get after you when you say something that's either untrue or, or uh, just – gibberish what is this you're talking about twitter grifka i don't think you've ever seen a social media in your life like how how are you seeing things on twitter 
because sometimes you like go to links on like the Detroit Free Press and stuff like that, and you can like bring up like Twitter things and like you know in like the Free Press, they'll put the feed on there, and that's where I saw it. Ah, okay. Because uh, we yeah, we know you're not hip to that. Yeah, we know you're not hip to that game. I mean, all the people out there know that you're a long lover of Dave Burkett, so I'm sure you're reading every one of his articles, maybe caught one of his uh, tweets where he has a nice little picture of his kids. I know you love that uh, that part of him, so that's probably what it was, don't you think, Ripka? No, I don't think it was Dave Burkett, <laughs> like Justin Rogers or somebody like that. Uh, okay, now now you're trying to shade the people like you like you don't love Dave Burkett. So we're we're off to a good start here on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. Yeah, well, is that the surprise you're actually getting Dave Burkett for this episode? Because if it is, bring him on right now. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that won't be happening anytime soon, if if ever. Um, sorry to uh, disappoint you, Rifka, but uh, yeah, he won't be a guest on the show. Sorry. Yeah, I'll get a photo with him, with you at the, at uh, training camp in, in August. Dave, come here. Dave. <laughs> yeah, uh, that ain't going to happen either. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I like what you had to say. I, I think that uh, Trey Boy, like I said, just came in, supported the coach. That was big. He really had a no-nonsense attitude. It was all about football. He was, uh, I don't know, like when I saw him, he just he's just a big, thick, kind of just – not a nasty football player like off the field, but I just feel like, man, I don't even think we all realize what we have in this guy. Like we're kind of, you know, came off a bad year, you know, what was the top offensive free agent? Everybody was hyped, but I don't know that they're going to really know what this guy is going to bring to this team as a whole until he really suits up and gets going. Because uh, you look at that D line, it's nasty. You look at this guy, you can move him all around the defensive front. I mean, that's incredible. He's young. He's stout. Like I said, he's not one of these rangy young pass rushers that have never done anything. He was productive in college. He's uh, He's been productive in the NFL, and this is kind of the perfect system for him. So I love that. A lot of people were clowning Jesse James. They were like, oh, he, he, sounded, he didn't sound good at the podium. He sounded nervous. He sounded uh, like, uh, you know, Grifka does. And uh, I was like, I was like, I don't think so. I, I thought he was good. I thought he was just kind of, you know, they asked him about all the Pittsburgh stuff. He answered that. No problem. He was pretty succinct. He seemed like a, a, a gritty football player too. Like I, I thought Jesse James was a little bit more of a, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to expect, I guess, but I, I thought he was maybe more of that pass catcher type personality. Um, even though I had heard he was good in the blocking game, but he came across as a guy that thinks he has really high upside, a guy that, is ready for expanded role and a guy that doesn't mind getting in the trenches and, and fighting you. So I like that as well from him. And then, uh, like you said, I don't think Amendola got out there. Did you see him get in front of a mic at all? No, I did not. He might have, but I, I didn't see it. Yeah, I was just before we got on the show here, uh, we're recording Wednesday, um, kind of in the evening time here. I know something came out where he's down in Miami training and he put out like a little video where he was running some slot routes and I don't know people were getting hype I was kind of like to me it just looks kind of he didn't look that explosive but uh, you know he does definitely fill that role that we need there and uh, and who's the other guy I thought Coleman was good Coleman got up uh, Justin Coleman and kind of seemed to have a really good personality he was uh, fun to listen to look sharp um, seems like a guy that's ready one thing I took away from his thing Grifka was 
they kind of asked him, they kept hitting him with, are you going to be the slot or man, you know, it's exciting to bring a slot corner. He seemed to sort of duck that a little bit and say, you know, wherever they need me or, you know, we'll see what happens. I would really like to see him almost exclusively inside and go get another outside guy rather than, you know, some people have said, don't be, don't be surprised. If they play him a little bit more on the outside than you expect based on what they paid him. But I think he's got a pretty carved out role in the, in the inside part as a, as a nickel corner. What do you think? Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you. Get the bell. And uh, I would rather see him on the inside. It, I know I was reading things about him after they signed. like, oh, Patricia knows more about him, knows what he can do. And I read that same thing that you said, you know, expect maybe he'll play more outside than what you think. But that's one of those things, like, don't, you know, put a uh, square pig in a round hole. If he's better on the inside and doesn't um, – because, like, like we were talking about this in the past, I mean, everybody just thinks you can just take any quarterback and throw him in the, in, in the nickel slot. And it doesn't work that way. You know, there's it's a, it's a different skill set. And if a, if a skill set – you know, better fits the nickel. Keep him there. Don't try to just put him on the outside because, oh, we pay this guy a lot of money. He's got to, you know, play opposite slay. I mean, if he's better in the nickel, leave him there. And you're right. Go find somebody else. So I like how he did that, though. Um, how um, I don't want to say sidestep the question, but, you know, he didn't come right out and answer. But by saying, though, you know, they'll, you know, I'll play where, you know, pretty much saying, you know, I'll play where they want me to. You know, that's kind of how I read it. I read him answer the, answering those questions. I, I like that. You know, he's not – he's more than willing to go wherever the team wants him to. So – and you're right, that same uh, – uh, that that looseness, he seemed loose, and which is good. And I think that's a good trait to have as, as um, a defensive back, you know, that uh, – the mentality, you know, oh, I got – you know, if he gets burned or something, something bad happens, you know, get rid of it. You know, he, he didn't seem uptight, and I think that's what – it's a nice trait. You know, it's kind of what, like, Slay has that same thing. It's It's loose, and, you know, it's like, okay, you got me this time, I'll get you next time type thing. So – I think that's a good thing to have back there. Yeah, good point at the end. I actually like to your beginning take where you agreed with me, you repeated my take, you said I had a good take, all that, and then I like at the end where you said he was loose. I, I think that um, there's something really to be said, and this got talked about a little bit, but when you have guys that are all kind of from the same hometown or know each other really well, and Tracy, Slay, and Coleman, they're all pretty much young type guys, athletic guys. I mean, I think that camaraderie and that sense of just they're going to get along, they're going to be able to communicate, I think that's really important in the secondary. So, yeah. you know, you, you I, I'm they, excited about this guy. Yeah, do you think there's like, I, I guess for lack of a better term, do you, do you think they realize there's like probably like a pecking order? I realize they're all going to be like, yeah, we're all on the same team, we're one family, you know, the rhetoric. But do, do you think that they know there's a pecking order? It's like, Hey, we know Slay's the best, you know, and like Walker's like, okay, I'm in a second year. Coleman's been around the block. He knows what's happening. Do you see my point? You, you see where I'm kind of going with this? I don't want to say they would defer to the man up or whatever like that, but there, there might be, a, you know, even though they all know each other, you know, same, you know, same town related stuff, you know, they still might know it's like, yeah, Slay's the best, you know, <laughs> you think they might even, I think it might help. Well, like you said, with that camaraderie, you know, and like, they might drive and strive to be better, you know, and like if the Coleman and Walker, they're pushing to be better. That might push Slay as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of think that, yeah, they all get along, but, but they all know like, yeah, Slay's the best. Yeah, I guess so, Grifka. But I mean, 
I, I don't know that it, it matters. Like, uh, you know, Slay has produced the most. He's paid the most. I mean, I'm sure he's looked at as the lockdown number one corner, but I don't think people are bowing down to him in the room. That's what I'm saying. I think it's nice that you have these guys that know each other that are that are cool with each other. Even Diggs, you know, is is a is a leader, but he's also just kind of been come up through the ranks as one of the guys and made himself good. So I just think it makes for a really good DB room as a whole, safeties and corners. And you know, like you said. I mean, I remember every interview with Nevin Lawson. He seemed wound so tight and so intense and so serious. It was like he probably, you know, that's why he couldn't get his head around uh, literally and figuratively the defense or when he was guarding somebody. It was like he just was too much in his own head about, like, trying to be perfect and trying to work so hard. I'm just a hard worker out here, you know. I don't want to say too much. It's just like – at corner, you have to not only have that personality, but you also have to have that next play up, I'll get them next time, as you said before. So, I mean, I just think it's going to be tremendous. So, I thought, uh, you know, the, the big question is going to be, you know, how good can Jesse James be? When he steps to the podium, to me, he sounded like he thinks he's going to be either starting or a three-quarters of the time type tight end rather than a, a backup or a split-time guy. That's what he was in Pittsburgh. And... uh you know, Coleman just seems to put right in there as basically a pencil in starter. And, and you know where Flowers will be. He'll be wrecking havoc, you know, all year long. So, you know, good start and uh, and more to come, which we'll talk about later. So let's hit on two more things and then we'll uh, get a, a quick word in here from our sponsors. So two more signings, Grifka. These, these may be going under the radar, but, but not with me, man. Tommy Lee Lewis you know, again, uh, to help our social media presence, uh, Grifco, while you're over there sleeping. I've been on Twitter, and uh, when this came out that he was working out, I said, man, I remember tons of stories where Sean Payton loved this guy, and he he couldn't wait to get out there and use him, and this, that, and the other, and it never really came to fruition, but this guy has that little build, kind of like that Sprolesy guy, kind of like... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the line we had a few years ago. He wore number 11 where he was just kind of gadget player, return guy. That's that's kind of who he reminds me of. And Eddie in today's Drummond? NFL. What? Eddie Drummond? I'm just messing with you. Yeah, Eddie was my guy. But uh, after that, we had a couple of these little water bug type guys that weren't big names that ended up making plays. I think that's what Tommy Lee can be. And then uh, – and in the NFL today, I mean, it's all about matchups and it's about, you know, speed and quickness. And I think this guy has that. And then the other big name, we signed Malcolm Brown to an offer sheet. This guy's 25 years old. Um, he's got some really nice size for running back, six foot, two, two, five. Um, really like that. And he's had a few flashes, haven't got touches. I think this is a really nice possible RB2 with a lot of upside. Probably didn't pay too much. We'll see if the Rams match it. And I think they have till Monday. Um, what do you think about these two, what I call sneaky yet maybe important signings when we look back at it? Uh, the Tommy Lee Lewis one, when I, uh, when I heard that one, I was kind of, my, my first thought was like uh, return game. That's, that's what I was thinking right there, the kickoff or punt return. I know the Lions have Agnew and he was an all pro, but he has that, he came off that injury and I think they may be looking to get him a little more in the defensive backfield as opposed to just kind of like this exclusive returner. But um, I think that's what Tommy Lee Lewis may be shooting for. They may be looking to pencil him in there. And plus, like you said, um, one of those, you know, 
quick guys in space, you know, has a, has a few flashes here and there, can can make a few moves here and there to, uh, you know, beat defenders. And, um, you know, uh, I, that's kind of what I, you know, I wasn't like, wow, awesome signing. That's kind of what I thought right there. You know, he's going to come in and compete for that um, kind of like the, the, the Powell position and uh, do stuff like that. And um, I think I, I think those two have very similar skill sets. Uh, Malcolm Brown, um, I like that signing as well. I don't know if the Rams will match it or not, but um, I, I like the signing. Like you said, it's a number two, kind of like that, you know, power back type thing uh, right there. Something that uh, uh, I guess LeGarrette Blount was supposed to get him last year, but obviously he did not have that. Um, this may go towards also what they might look towards to do with the draft. They might just kind of, you know, throw the running back option out there, you know, out the window, like, you know, if they get Malcolm Brown or not, considering they, you know, they still have, what's the Riddick and they signed Zach Zenner. So um, both signings, you, you're right. I, I like them both, you know, uh, definitely, uh, it definitely gives the team more depth. So uh, I like those both. Yeah, man. Adding young players was upside adding, I think Malcolm Brown, two years, only like 3 million bucks or something like that. Uh, you know, good contracts, young guys, guys that can be physical, have that size we're looking for. I really like it. So, so everybody, that's kind of like our news and notes get us going here. Uh, please don't go anywhere. Um, just to cue you up for after the break, we're going to be talking about Montez Sweat. We're going to be talking about the Lions with about 25, 30 million bucks, whatever it is, in Bobby Quinn's pocket. What the heck is he going to do with that? We want to break down if, if Theo should stay or go. You know, what are we looking at in right guard? Are you okay with DK and so much more? And the big Grifka surprise all coming up right after this. A word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, everybody. All right, everybody, we're back. Now, Grifka, everybody on the podcast knows your boy is Montez Sweat. You've been talking about him and Ja'Kai Polite since day one because those are the two guys that that Mel Kuyper told you were good. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite is fat, out of shape, and falling down draft boards. Montez, I've never seen a guy run faster and be bigger. Um, you know, usually that doesn't do much for me, but this guy looks like a specimen um, size, height, weight, speed and can get after the quarterback, but it came out this week that he got a heart issue diagnosed at the combine. Did you hear about this? So were you, what are you thinking? Um, first of all, Jack, I polite. Um, I busted on him on a prior cast and I said, I would never take another Florida defender. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. And you kind of gave me the tirade how like all these defenders are different. They're not the same, even though they played in the same scheme, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I've never been about Jack. I polite. Um, is so, this where I should say go back and check it? Because yeah, check the I, I've, I've never backed up Ja'Kai Polite. I'm sure I made fun of you a couple times when you said pick him at eight, and I was like, yeah, I've never – yeah, you can go back and check the tape on that, please. I mean, I, do, I, do I need to get um, your boy Caldwell to say, got to check tape, got to check tape? Because you can go check the tape because I've never been on board with this guy. But um, okay. we need we need something that can do that for us because neither of us have time. But I would love to have like a scoreboard because I guarantee our first draft show that was the first name you brought up uh, of who you had heard about the Lions taking at eight. You may have said, "How about another Florida guy?" Because that's Griffith's style. Oh, uh, because a couple other Florida guys weren't good. We can't take this guy, and I probably ragged on you for that. But uh, no, this is yeah, never okay. a guy I loved. So. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, cause, yeah okay. Um, anyways, um, the Montez Sweat heart issue, um, I think I'm taking this one kind of like the Maurice Hurst heart, heart issue where uh, uh, the guy played big-time football. I can't 
see like well he did come out of the sec at mississippi state so maybe they wanted him on the field a lot more but uh um i can't see this being that much of an issue and uh i i think the guy can play and it's just as long as uh team doctors and then it feels like yeah you can play get him on the field i'm not uh I don't think it's that much of an issue. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, uh, you know, all this stuff always kind of comes out after the combine about uh, little medical things or, hey, he ran a little slow. You know, people get all kind of uptight about it. I mean, anytime you have a like a neck issue, like, uh, you know, or, or a heart issue, it just worries me because football is such a physical game, both where you have to be in shape as well as the, the pounding you take. So it's a little bit of a concern, but, I mean, if nothing else comes out about it, you kind of just have to let your doctors deal with that kind of stuff. But, uh, like I say, I wasn't I didn't, wasn't considering him at 8 until he ran that ridiculous 40 and, and, like I say, really looked good in the drills and had a great senior bowl. He's really had a great lead-up to this draft. So, you know, He's still probably not my first pick at eight, but definitely somebody uh, worth considering. Hopefully he's healthy and hopefully he has a great career wherever he goes. Now, Grifka, over the weekend, while you had your feet up, I'm here busting out a podcast for the people. You know, this is kind of like I'm wrestling when I'm the baby face and you're the heel. The people love me because I bust my tail for the people. And uh, they kind of don't like you sometimes because you're negative about our favorite team, the Detroit Lions. But... This weekend, man, I'm sitting here laying down a, a podcast, telling the people about a mock draft, telling the people what's going to go on with this money we got in our back pocket. Did you hear the show? Do you got any comments? And what the heck has Bobby Quinn got up his sleeve? Because something's going on here. You mean with the $30 million in cap space? Yeah, man, the cap space and the uh, uh, you know comment on the, uh, the mock I laid out. If you got any comments, I'm sure you heard it. Uh, no, actually, I, I didn't hear it, but uh, here you go. To be honest with you, I didn't hear it, but, uh, there you go, people, Grifka, as you can see, working hard as always. Go ahead, yeah. sir. But, um, the 30 million in cap space, I believe that, uh, they're not going to overpay just because they have a bunch of cash. So and there's already like some commentators and, you know, sports heads thinking that the Lions overpaid for all their signings. And, you know, they were downgrading them and saying that, that they weren't that great. And there was, there was plenty. I saw, like, CBS Sports, and, yeah, they weren't that great. Um, but CBS Sports, they, they were giving them high marks. and But, you know, I, I know when I read this, I, I tweeted – or not tweeted. I, I texted you about uh, that uh, ESPN was just kind of bashing on these signings. And, they like, they, like, the best grade they gave was, like, a C. Everything else was either a C- minus or a D. And I'm just like, yeah, that's ESPN for you. But, like, all these other signings of, like, these great, you know, like, Nick Foles and stuff, they were, like, balling out A-plus. It's just like, come on, whatever. But uh, I, I think they got this money left. But, yeah, they're just not going to let it burn a hole in their pocket. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They want to go and sign Justin Houston. I would take that, you know. But uh, this is one of those things where they're not going to they're not gonna spend it just because they, they've made a dent in a lot of the spots that, that they need to fill. And they're not just going to go overpay a bunch of guys just to over because they have the cap, you know, money left. So that's how I feel about that. All right. Well, Grifka, do yourself a favor. 
Go listen to me break out 30 minutes of podcast gold. The people loved it. Got huge ratings, probably because it was just me. But I broke down how Bobby Quinn has got an ace up his sleeve, and he's going to do something in the next few weeks that we've all been calling for. I'm not splitting the atom with this idea, but I'm calling it now. I called it over the weekend that he's going to go out and he's going to get Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson is coming to the D Grifka. They're going to ship Marvy and maybe Theo out, maybe a, maybe a fourth rounder to uh, Arizona, get him coming him and slay on the edges. That pretty much works out money wise. When you break all that stuff down, um, there's no other reason to just be keeping $30 million just hanging out there if you're not going to take a big swing. I think that's a swing. We need a cornerback, too. Patrick Peterson probably has two or three more good years. Him and Slay would probably get, get along really well. He could come here, maybe be that piece that sort of gets us over the hum, humble guy. Um, super, uh, super co- good competitor and just, uh, yeah, man, he, he makes a big salary. But uh, for that p- position premium, I'm more than all about it. So um, that's what I call for the people. People loved it. We're hoping that happens here in the next few weeks. And uh, if it doesn't happen, what the heck? Like, what's all the rumblings about keep Theo, get rid of him? You know, you get rid of him, you save another five mil, you keep him. He's just same old. Like, what are we doing with this guy? I used to be a huge fan. I think I got a jersey somewhere in the closet of a 2-5. But uh, he's definitely been on my my uh, Grifka list recently, just uh, not making plays, not living up. Like, what are you doing with Theo Grifka? This is uh, brings back my point earlier. If when they sign Malcolm Brown, it might throw the whole, uh, you know, pick a running back somewhere in the draft out the window. Um, I know there's a few running backs in the draft that have similar sil- similar skill sets to Theo, but it uh, comes down to do they trust him with the offense? Um, do they think he can at least give them a little bit of that third down back stuff? I mean, it does look like last year it looks like he has lost a step or two, wasn't quite as shifty as he was. Um, I thought he still picked up blocks pretty well, you know, like a blitz or something like that. So if, if, he, if they feel he can still do that, you know, kind of keep him around, I'm fine with that. But this might be one of those things like they do draft a, a running back in one of the later rounds and um, – you know, it's the competition at that point, you know, just like, can, you know, can Theo beat the young guy? He's obviously going to, you know, at least know the ropes of being a pro player where the the rookie's going to have to, you know, learn them quickly. But uh, I, I just can't say, you know, just get rid of the guy because he, you know, he's a little long in the tooth, but I, I don't believe he was, he's <laughs> was explosive as he was a few years ago. Well, I hate to keep beating you up, Grifka, but that's some of what I do sort of on this show. On the podcast as well over the weekend, I laid out a perfect replacement for Theo that you could probably get in the fifth or sixth round. His name is James Williams of Washington State. He's big. He can catch. He's got crazy production. He was like a five-star coming out of high school. Um, an absolutely awesome late running back target that I think could fit this uh, scheme and be a great uh, – replacement if they moved on from his salary maybe you know added a big corner like I just mentioned and uh, then filled that catching um, back with some upside with a guy like like Williams so uh, you know I'm I don't like to just keep people around to keep them around like I mean unless they really have a plan for Theo I'm ready to move on Um, you know he had maybe two good years there but over over the career, just haven't seen enough uh, from him to justify that salary. So 
Grifka, here's my next thing, man. Everybody out there is so caught up about, oh my gosh, TJ Lang left. We got this huge hole guard. It's right guard, people. Like every good team in the NFL finds people off the scrap heap to to fill out their O-line. Now, I'm not telling you can have a, a five-some of, of scrubs or undrafted guys for the most part, but you, you can't have five high-drafted, high-paid guys on your O-line and fill out the rest of your team. So we have draft picks, we have money up there, and we have one open slot. Like I'm saying wait till the you know, third – round or later and plug this hole with some of the guys in this draft or with a veteran because I'm sick of people saying Jonah Williams at eight. It's like the only team that's got away with that with taking tons of high picks with the Cowboys and they haven't even had that dominant O-line like they had for a year or so there. So are you with me in this? Are you going to throw cold water? Like talk to me about this right guard spot. Is it really that important or can we get away with it? in other ways because of all the other resources we put to this spot already. Yeah, I would, uh, I would have to say taking a, a, a guard in the first round would not be a wise move. <laughs> yeah, I see. I've heard that thing as well. You know, take Williams, take Williams. But once again, then, then you have three, like, I mean, like really early first round picks on offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, like you, like you had mentioned in the past, you're not quite for sure what, uh, what Ragnow is going to be. I mean, he had flashes where he was dominant and then there was other points where he, he got, you know, beat like a, a dusty rug. And, um, so, uh, I went into, uh, I don't know if I would take an offensive, uh, offensive lineman in the first round. Now with guys in house already, what, uh, was it Wiggins? He's still around. I mean, Joe Dahl still seems to be a shadow of that at that place. You know, uh, they seem to be letting him hang around for a little bit. Um, I've, read things where people are like, well, maybe they can bump, you know, you know, Crosby down there. But I, I think they're kind of, it's everybody just, everybody just thinks like lineman footwork, each, each line position has its own like little bit of footwork. And that's why everybody's like, Oh, if they're not really good at left guard, you can just move them to right guard or left tackle, move to right tackle. It's, it's all angles and like the position that's played and to, to have, you know, I think Crosby's, I think he's the future right tackle on this team. You know, to have him bump down, I mean, yeah, he gets playing time, but the footwork at guard and what you're looking at is completely different. So I don't know if I would just dump him down there just to, you know, use him before you move him out to right tackle, which I think that's ultimately going to happen to him. But uh, if they want to keep him at guard, put him at guard. Um, I know there's still a few offensive linemen out there, you know, a little um, established veterans that have been around for a while. If you're just looking for a stopgap, um, you can go out there and get one of those guys. Um, if you're looking to draft one, you know, you know, please, you know, late round drafts because I don't think right now right guard is one of the high priorities that still needs to be filled on this team. Yeah, man, I'm with you. So Grifka, earlier I said that, like on the podcast, I'm the baby face that people love me. You're the heel sometimes. Um, I'm gonna pull a classic old wrestling move right now and this is where i do the heel turn and hit you with a steel chair from behind and and change roles because over the weekend as well on the pod i dropped the fact that you gotta go out they've spent so much stuff on defense and they're loaded up and our quarterback needs a boost so what do you do at number eight grifka if nothing else is staring you in the face you go there and you select DK Metcalf, 
the absolute monster, 6'3 and change, 230 pounds, runs a 4'3 flat, basically, can catch anything in the gym that's near him and can make uh, craziness for defenses with him, with Kenny. Uh, you know, we've got Amendola in the slot. Like, this could change our whole offense. You get him cheap, you know, rather than going out and trying to manufacture a big-name receiver, you go ahead and draft one and you're set for the next however long. Now, there's people out here that love this idea, but I know there's Lions fans that just think, nope, got to go meat and potatoes, got to go D-line. You know, didn't get too much hate, but I know this is sort of a heel turn where people are like, oh, man, Oakley, you're always talking about Burns and Oliver, and you talked about Montez Sweat, and now you want a, a receiver. Who takes a receiver at eight? I do when you run 6'3", 230 pounds, and, and it's in the 4'3 range. That's That's special. That's absolutely elite. Uh, tell me why I'm wrong, Griff Cooks. I know you will. <laughs> so this is one of those, you know, change my mind type things or whatever. Um, yeah, you're right. He's tall and he's fast. And, uh, yeah, if all he's going to do is run a go route, he's the guy you want. But, uh, in the pros, you got to run a little more than that. So, uh, what he played at Ole Miss, the route tree he ran was not that extensive. And, uh, and I threw some numbers at you, and you came back at me, and like you were all like, "Oh yeah, sure, pick the good, the, the good teams that he faced." You know, tell me his stats against Southern Illinois. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So he balled out against Southern Illinois, but he didn't show. He didn't show up against Alabama or LSU. So, uh, but um, okay, that's fine. I mean, I, I yeah, I know, I know you, 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 uh, you get the bell out when when I agree with you, but uh, it's it's one of those things. Like he he was at Ole Miss three years. In his freshman year, he, he he was a medical redshirt. He wasn't even he wasn't a redshirt because he was stacked behind a bunch of people. He was a medical redshirt because he got hurt in the second or third game against Wofford or something like that. So uh, he was out obviously most of the year. His uh, then I guess his redshirt freshman year, he he wasn't he wasn't injured, but he had you know you know okay stats for being a redshirt freshman. You know that's what you would expect out of somebody in college. You don't see too many freshman wide receivers even redshirt you know, freshman wide receivers, you know, ball out, put a whole bunch of stats out. You have to be really special to do that. Um, then once again, as a redshirt sophomore, you know, third year, I mean, he's like, he's opposite another stud wide receiver who's like a lot of, you know, I've seen people like throwing, you know, late first round or, you know, second round type wide receiver there in AJ Brown. He still didn't put, I mean, he put up decent stats, but once again, he got injured again. So, and he was out for a long time again, you know, a lot of the season. So, that's an, like you said, you were before you're like, you're worried about neck injuries. And that's what this was. It was, you know, neck injury. So this, you know, one of those things, big, tall wide receiver. Yeah. If all he's going to do is run a go route because he's fast. Okay, fine. Run it. But, uh, you gotta, you gotta be able to run more routes than that in the pros. And, uh, I, I don't believe he runs, uh, you know, his route running ability is, is lacking at this point. So I guess if you're going to give that guy a couple years, because fine, you draft him. He doesn't put up great stats. So it's all like, well, you know, wide receiver in the pros is one of the toughest positions to change, you know, you know, change to pros. So I guess you'd get that for a couple years while he's still trying to learn how to run like a dig route or a flag route. So, but yeah, you know, so, okay, go, go ahead. You can take the number eight pick on a guy that can use great on a nine route. I mean, if if we're playing backyard football and he's the guy who just he was he was that kid that just always runs the nine route because he's the fastest. Fine, take him. Okay. Well, well first of all, I don't want to get stuck on this forever, but um, this is the same argument you used on our text chain 
and, and I hate to call you out on it, but I might as well bring it to the table. It's a good argument, You're... though. It's very valid points. You, you want me to go find <laughs> these other points? I mean, those are the points. You asked me for my opinion. Those I, I gave you my points why I, w- I wouldn't be a fan of the pick. So, yeah, it's the exact same ones. I, I don't have different points that, that change. That's yeah. why. And they're actually very good points. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm not sure what the people's opinion were. They definitely heard your points multiple times. But, but here's the thing. So on the, on the text chain, Grifka said he only runs deep routes, and I, I challenged him. Have you – have you watched any other games? I saw him. I saw him against Alabama. I think he had two catches for what nine a deep touchdown, and so you you saw all you needed to see. Three, six, four, and and huge and fast. Do you need to be? Uh, do you think there's many guys that size that are just mechanically uh, stellar in every facet of route running, or do you think they just they're bigger than you? They're faster than you? And he's got sticky hands when the ball's there, and he just goes and gets it. Like, you know, you don't have to be a, an absolute mechanic in there when you have these kind of special traits. That's the only reason I'm saying that I would consider him at eight because he's done things athletically, size and speed-wise, that haven't been done barely ever in the game. Like, that's that's the kind of special stuff you look for if you're picking at the top of the draft. What? What do you mean barely so, ever? There's plenty of there's plenty of fast guys that dominated in college that get to the pros and don't do nothing because they 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 don't run good routes because they 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 don't do that. But you're like you're like oh gosh because he's fast and he's big. There's plenty of <laughs> fast big guys. One plenty of fast big guys oh who didn't gosh. get injured a lot in college, and he was injured a lot in college. Grifka, my my only concern. Everybody's calling bust. Everybody's saying what you're saying. I've heard this argument before. The only thing that really scares me about DK is the neck issues. Like when you say, oh, you're fast and you're big. When, when he was at the combine, nobody from the analyst to the, everybody else in the gym, the only guy they could think of that even looked and ran and felt like this guy was your boy, Calvin Johnson. There's nobody else that's this big, fast, that can no yeah, and Calvin Johnson put up great numbers at Georgia Tech where they ran the triple option. Where, you know what, they throw the ball, what, maybe 10 times a game running a triple option? And that could put, and he put up stellar numbers. And there was no other wide receiver at Georgia Tech while he was there. So, I mean, are you trying to tell me like all the defenses just rolled coverage over to this guy and let A.J. Brown go off all the time? They ran a pass happy offense at Ole Miss. And once again, he was, yeah, he didn't have great numbers. Why? Because he was injured a lot. So. Oh, oh my. Like, Grifka, like, note to you, like, injuries happen. So, like, I know you want everybody to be healthy 24-7, but it doesn't happen. So, just because he's hurt doesn't take away every physical trait he has, doesn't take away all these highlights. Other than the one game you saw with your two eyes. I'm just telling you, again, let's get past this point that over the weekend on the pod and just in general, I'm okay with DK. You're not because you saw one game and because it's the league and beasts people and catches the football high points. It runs past people. Fever one Grifka. And I don't think there's even anybody close. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion, but uh, there's plenty of other analysts that don't even have, have, have him as the best wide receiver in the draft. So, Okay. I, okay. 
we'll be uh, looking we'll see at it. I watch NFL Network. I see it, you know, Bucky Brooks and all these guys. I got Marquise Brown better than him. I mean, so, so come on, man. Don't I don't know what you're looking at. I look at the same crap you look at. You're just wearing blinders because you're all like all in love with this guy walking around the Ole Miss locker room without a shirt on. You know, everybody's like, he's like the Hulk, only at wide receiver. Yeah, I saw that stupid quote too. I mean, fine. You, you know, he had two long, he had two long injuries at, at at his time at Ohio State, but you're just gonna poo-poo that stuff because he's fast and he's big and nobody else has that ever. He's like done stuff that nobody else has done. He, he's compared to Kelvin Johnson. Oh, God, okay. Okay, I think I brought up the injury before, and I think like we'll go ahead and, and move forward. But there's going to be a day, Grifka, where you realize that just because you hate anybody that's big, fast, physical, and because I lean towards that way, when I see special traits, yes, it catches my eye. And it's not like this guy, when he was in the game, was a stiff in, 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 in the SEC. Like, he made big plays. There's lots of people calling him wide receiver one. Okay, a couple people you saw didn't like what that's gospel then. And the other people have it wrong. Like it's, it's all sense of opinion. So I can't wait to see what happens with this guy. Uh, if he totally busts out of the league, I'll tip my cap, but you just have such a narrow view of everything. It's like, well, I saw him once and he wasn't good. Oh, he was hurt. I'll help that against him his whole life. Like he did Ziggy and oh, I don't draft receivers that high. Well, I usually don't either. Unless you you're fall, this big, you this fast and this good. You fall in love with guys that just look good. And I mean, it's just like you, you like you want to bring up Ziggy. You always tout Ziggy. I mean, if the guy wasn't on the field, the guy wasn't on the field. But this is like another thing. I mean, the guy wasn't on the field in college that much. And when he was, and you're like, he's oh, he good. Didn't do a just whole like lot. Ziggy. Yeah, you're right. He did a whole lot against oh Southern God. Illinois. He didn't do a whole lot against Alabama and LSU, who has the the best pro talent on there. Once again, and he wasn't the only wide receiver on that team. There was somebody else on the other side of the field who put up stats. And even when, even when, even when DK was hurt, that other guy put up stats. So you're gonna sit here and tell me like my opinion's crap. <laughs> that has because because have Kenny Galladay on one side, a couple of good slot receivers, and who's gonna deal with him on the other side? That's why I'm saying it's valid. Like I, your your point of oh he had help around him makes no sense. And my whole argument with Griff or with Ziggy has been when Ziggy is out there he produces. How does, when he's what not do you mean, having help around him makes no sense. That means you just can't shove all your defenders on one side if that's the only wide receiver they have. And you can you can go one on one against the other guy, and that guy should dominate. So you're just okay. saying they like double and triple team DK because the other guy put up stats because he was there. So even what I'm saying is when DK's hurt, okay, this other guy's putting up stats. Teams are going to roll coverage over to him, but he still put up stats. That's my point. So to say that it makes no sense, that makes no sense. That makes zero sense to Chris say Cook, like, this... oh, because he had hope, it doesn't oh make gosh. sense. What? Griff, because this, this is the Detroit Cooley cast, and we're talking about DK Metcalf. No one's talking about A.J. Brown or these other receivers. Who cares if they're good? The argument is, is DK worth number eight to the Lions? And you're saying, you say well, his, his, his other guys not. put up Reasonable stats, minds can like, differ. And I, I okay. give you my point of view, why not? And you're like, oh, your point of view is a joke. I mean, why is my point of view a joke? Because you have those limited views. I saw one game. He only does this. He only does that. Like, 
go go watch him and tell me he can't run the comeback. Go watch him and tell me he can't snatch the football in traffic. He doesn't just run deep and that's it. He he did a lot of that at, at Ole Miss. Hey, here's a thought, Grifka. Maybe that's all they asked him to do. Maybe that's how they schemed him up is, hey, we're going to use his physical gifts and run those type of routes. It doesn't mean that's all he can do. So you never barely watched more than 10 minutes and you, you just disregard his I know he's big and fast and he's big and fast, but I don't care. I'd rather have a, you know, um, little receiver from Clemson. He's better than college. We'll see the next level. Would you rather have Renfro or would you rather have DK? Because I'm telling you, it's I, all I about special. Neither one of them. I would rather have neither one of them. Okay, let's, let's receivers and, and see plus how they our play like does. two different positions. One's one's your outside guy. Oh, yeah, Bucky Brooks, top five wide receivers, watching it right here. Number one, Marquise Brown. Number two, DJ Met- DK Metcalf. Number three, A.J. Brown. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure Bucky Brooks don't know what he's talking about. He only works on the freaking channel. You know, okay, I'm sure he's a moron. Yeah, well, he can go from the speed he's bouncing. I'm 6'4", and runs like the freaking wind. That's what I'm telling you. So, I brought up Q Alexander Wright, and you're like, I don't know who that is. Exactly. I mean, okay. Alexander Wright, big wide receiver, could run like the wind. You've never heard of him. Exactly. But I bet you, I bet you, here, text, there you go. Text, text our friend Chuck and ask him who Alexander Wright is. I bet you he knows who Alexander Wright is as well. Great. But that's Great. okay, though. You know what I'll tell him? Hey, Grifka wanted me to ask you about this one example where he was right and a, and a guy with speed and athleticism I also didn't compared him out. to Darius Hayward Bay, a big guy with speed who could run like the wind. You remember Darius Hayward Bay, right? What's he ever yeah, done I, in the pros? And the Raiders yeah. took him at, like, what, seven or nine or something like that? He was first-round talent. He was rated first-round talent. And yeah, the, he was and, not and rated. the Raiders took him. What he, he was do. not rated. He was not rated top ten. And Grifka, Darius Hayward Bay is like barely over six feet. He's like nowhere close to the weight and doesn't run. He had some track speed, and that was it. So he's a lazy. Darius Hayward Bay was the fastest wide receiver in that draft. Oh and the Raiders okay. took him because he was fast. And Al Davis was still alive when he was drafted. And Al Davis always drafted speed. So, no, they didn't take a slow, plotting wide receiver. They took him because he was the fastest wide receiver in the draft. Oh, my gosh. Nobody said he was slow, and they're, but they're different players. Like What? Darius Harrivey was what? He was what, a slot? He was the two. They were, no, they were both. They were both, the, they were both the X wide receiver. Metcalf's an X wide receiver. Hayward Bay was an X wide receiver. They were the same. They, they they played the same position. Okay, so be the same player because they played the same position. Okay, well I'm okay with K. You're not. We'll see what happens. Huh? Yeah, fine, whatever, man. When he, when he's when he's got a neck brace on on the sideline because his neck's hurt. Okay, there we go. All right, everybody. Well, we'll see what happens in the draft at number uh, eight. That's going to be a huge pick, regardless. You know, everybody's looking for. More D-line help. I really think we beefed up the D-line. Uh, can always add there for sure. Um, you know, will they go tight end? Would they uh, – receiver doesn't seem like 
play with uh, Matt Pat and Bobby Quinn, but uh, you know, I think it's worth a look based on uh, some of the elite numbers and size. And then you also got uh, you also got the tight end and some other things up there. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, everybody, it's time on the podcast for the Grifka surprise that I've been promoting. We're recording here on Wednesday night. Tomorrow is the tournament. So what I did is I put together an eight-team bracket, an eight-person uh, bracket of what I like to think of as Grifka guys, Grifka's Lions guys, and we're going to run a live bracket right now. So I'm going to run down the seeds for you. The number one seed in the Grifka Lions bracket, we've got Barry Sanders as the number one seed. He's going He's going head up against the number eight. Grifka loves this guy. I can't stand him, so I put him number eight. In Damakun Su in the eighth seed. That should be a, an absolute beatdown. The 4-5 matchup is Robert Porsche versus Grifka's favorite announcer, Lomas Brown. Uh, at number three, we've got Benny Blades, one of Grifka's all-time favorites. He knocks, uh, he will punch you in the face and take your candy. At number six, We've got uh, one of the greatest receivers in Lions history and a guy that uh, I'm sure Grifka loved back then, even though he hates on receivers now. At the sixth seed, Herman Moore. And then Grifka's heart. I put him at number two. We'll see if they if they face off in the championship. We got Chris Spielman at the number two seed going against. Uh, I was trying to pull a real name out of the hat, one of Grifka's old uh, faves that I probably never even heard of. But for this case, the number seven seed, I went with Spindler, the spin dog, Gripka. <laughs> Let's start the top of the bracket. We got Barry versus Sue. Who are you going with? Wow, man. You got some, gosh, dude, you just really surprised me. I love this, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I got to go with Barry on this one. I mean, this is everybody. Yeah, we got Barry advancing against the, uh, the man named Stomp. Um, so that's an easy first round matchup. Here in the first round, this may be tough for Grifka. Porsche versus Lomas. <laughs> Lomas, who you got? Uh, your boy Porsche, or are you going with uh, your favorite announcer? Oh, man, this one's tough. This one's tough. This one, you named these off. I'm like, wow, man. God. <laughs> I like them both as players. Yeah, I'm going to pull my upset. I'm going to go with Lomas on this one. Oh man! Black oh Black. boy! Thomas Brown signed, signed my helmet at, at training camp. I've never seen Robert Porsche at training camp, but I'm gonna go with Lomas. At least I'm thinking. Everybody, the signing of helmets, the shaking of hands, the allowing Grifka to tell you, "Hey man, you're gonna be good." Kind of shake your hand. It goes a long way with this guy. I gotta say, Grifka three six Benny Blades versus the Herm. What do you got? This one's tough. This one's really tough. So once again, Herman Moore signed my helmet, but I got a picture with me and Benny Blades at, at a Lions game, and he actually took the time because he went to the U. And I, you know, as a kid, I really liked the U, and I still really like the U. And how you, everybody's seen them do that. The, the people that go to the, you know, that's a hurricane. They do that simple with the hands, making the U with the hands. And he actually stood next to me. I go, hey man, can I do that U with you? And I put my hands up, and he goes, no, put one of your hands down. So I put one down, and, he, and, and we did the U together. I got that picture, man, so I got to go. I got to go, Ben Blades, man. 
Oh, Grifka Sharon's story. So so basically, if you want to advance in the Grifka tournament, you just have to like shake his hand, sign his helmet, or uh, or put the U up with him, I guess, to, uh, well, to I advance. Well, I was going to show Robert too, but you could put him in the draft. And he, would, he could be like one of the first, what, last four in or whatever, last four out or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't make the he didn't make the uh, tourney, no doubt about it. Grifka Spielman versus Pindog. Oh, Spielman. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like Spindler, but uh, no, it's it's, it's got to be Spielman. Give me one other Lions classic. I was trying to remember the other guy you always bring up, but I have no idea. Basically, either who he is or could care less about him. Who's the other? You like back to days of youth, man. You got to talk about like Billy Sims. You got to be talking about. Um, I, I I really like Doug English when I was a kid. Um, you know, Bill Gay when I was a kid. Uh, th- th- that's when like the Lions usually had decent defenses, and the offense was like Billy Sims because they had like Leonard Thompson, and uh, Leonard Thompson was an okay wide receiver, but wasn't great. You don't want that great. And then uh, they had, uh, you know, the Lions had the uh, white wide receiver of Jeff Chadwick, if everybody remembers Jeff Chadwick. But uh, you know, <laughs> but no, I mean, if if you wanted to throw me for a loop, you could have thrown Doug English or Billy Sims in there, and that would have been tough. Because I really liked those guys when I was a kid. All right. Well, Grifka speaking to the AARP crowd. We lost half our audience, but that's okay. Grifka uh, Spielman versus Benny Blades in round two. We got to keep this thing moving. Uh, Who you got? This this one's tough because <laughs> you guys are both my favorites. I'm gonna start belling you for tough matchups. Oh man. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I've never shook Chris Spielman's hand. I really like it. Uh, that weighs heavily. That's like on the uh, when they put it, up the resumes. It's kind of like this. This uh, lion has not shaken Griffith's hand, but he does have a explosive forty time. It, 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 exactly. Um, but the, the, this, you know, this, this, this has to be the breaker. I have to go with Benny Blades because he went to the U and Chris Spielman went to Ohio State. So um, Benny Blades. Okay, so so Benny and the Lions podcast has advanced two rounds based on going to uh, the University of Miami. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, that, was, sure, Grifka, that was a play. That was a hitter. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't you haven't brought up anything about the Lions. It's all been about his college career. Come on, buddy. Benny, uh, Benny Blades had fried. I mean, I always rip on Eric Ebron for having stone hands, but uh, Benny Blades had stone hands. If he got an interception, that's because he put like some gorilla glue on his on his hands before that. Because that, that guy couldn't catch a cold in Alaska, but that guy could <laughs> lay the lumber on somebody, you know. So, uh, that I mean, geez, yeah, he was a hitter back there at Strong Safety. That guy was a stud. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Griff, good. Uh, Lomas versus Barry uh, to advance to the uh, the finals here. <laughs> okay, I'll bring it up. Um, at, at the uh, at the game last year. Barry actually waved at me because I had a replica of Barry Jersey on. So, uh, uh, duh, other than being like the greatest line of all time, I, I gotta go with uh, Barry Sanders on that. Barry waved at Grifka. He advances. Uh, Barry versus Benny in the finals. Uh, what, <laughs> what, 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 what's better, the wave or the U sign or the uh, or the jersey that you have at home? You gotta. It's gonna be a tough call. T- tell me, this is a tough matchup, Grifka. So I hit the bell. It's a tough matchup. There you go. It's a tough matchup, but I, I gotta go with Barry. Now, if you would, I, I should, I should have done this for you, man. If I would have done this happening, because I would put guys in there like 
I would have went like Ziggy Anzop versus like Kelvin Johnson. And, but like the worst part is Kelvin Johnson would have had to be like a 16 seed and Ziggy would have had to be a 1 seed. Oh yeah, well, uh, so Grifka has Barry Sanders, no surprise to anybody. As the, you should have left Barry out. That's that You uh, You should have left Barry out and said, Sans Barry Sanders. And, you know, they got somebody else that we should, you know, because, I mean, Barry. I mean, it's it's Barry, you know? Grifka, this is my segment. Come up with your own uh, creative if you want to critique it. Because we have another bracket, only you don't get to uh, get in this one. This is my bracket. And this is the Grifka catchphrase bracket. With the number one seed, I've got the. I have to agree with you with the number one. Love it. It's coming in at number one. Number eight seed is, to be honest with you, with an honorable mention from. Okay. Um, and not something that also shows up on most shows. He's that great. Uh, that's going against the number five seed, which is. How are you going to make fun of my fandom, Ogre? It's my fandom. Uh, the number three seed, Grifka, is when you always want to punch people in the face and take their candy. Right there. <laughs> the number six seed, uh, going up against punch your face and take your candy, is Grifka's incredible NFL conspiracy theories. And the, <laughs> and the, no- the bottom of the bracket, the number two seed, is one of my all-time favorites. People listen for this on the show. It's... I know we've talked about this before. <laughs> Boom! That's, that's a double bell. Every time. And that's going up against a, a somewhat weak 7 seed, but one of my uh, favorites slash non-favorites. And that's just straight up the Grifka hate for Ziggy. Um, <laughs> that's Cinderella right there, man. That's the Cinderella. <laughs> We'll, we'll see how this shakes out. So I'm going to go to the top of the bracket, which is I agree with you versus to be honest with you. Um, so, man, because I had the honorable mention with the Grifka when he got when he has nothing better to go with to end the argument, he just ends with, okay, man, whatever, okay. So I'm, I'm going with an upset, an eight over a one. So to be honest with you, as well as a Grifka okay is going to advance. That's a that's a shocker. Uh, I'm sure most people didn't have that on their brackets. Um, the four or five seed again is he's not that great versus the Griffith fandom. Um, we get another. Oh man, I was gonna go with another upset. I love like how defensive you get about your fandom and how we yelled about that, but it can't beat. He's not that great, so he's not that great. <laughs> is gonna is it gonna advance? Uh, we have punch you in the face and take your candy versus NFL conspiracy theories. Because this is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, even as, as funny as uh, take your candy is, I got to go with NFL conspiracy theories because who does the NFL love, Grisha? Oh, man, they love the Packers, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Patriots. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and the two versus the seven is, I know we've talked about that on previous shows, versus the Ziggy hate. You said the, the Ziggy hate could be the sleeper. And in, a, in an odd turn of events, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> the, Ziggy, the Ziggy hate advances. <laughs> he must have hit a lead. The, the Ziggy hate must have hit the buzzer beater. Oh, definitely. So the the Ziggy hate is going up against the NFL conspiracy theories. Oh, man. 
Uh, it's funny. It's even funnier when you just name them off again. But give me the Ziggy hate again. <laughs> Moving on. For no reason, the guy's a great football player. He's just injured a lot, and Griffka can't can't handle That's it. That's why he's not a great football player. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to be honest with you versus he's not that great. Um, man, I love to be honest with you because it's just a classic Griffka. It's, it's bell-worthy every time. But I just think it's going to be funny to have he's not that great versus Ziggy hate in the finals. It does kind of rhyme, and it just seems uh, appropriate for a negative Griffka bracket. Um, so in the finals, we have uh, he's not that great versus Ziggy hate. And, uh, man, the, the champion of the Griffith catchphrase bracket, with no doubt about it, is one, two, three, say it with me, Griffka. He's not that great. <laughs> He's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, that is the world champion of all champions for the Griffka catchphrase bracket. I'm out of breath. That was fun. I'm sure everybody has their brackets ready to go tomorrow uh, for tourney day. Grifka, we're going to skip questions. We're going to skip everything else. Get up out of here for this show. You got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I'll take one more breath and just say thanks so much for supporting. Please uh, listen and, and reach out to our sponsors. It really helps us out a lot. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share this with a friend. We'll be back Friday morning with another podcast. Me and Grifka talking all things Detroit Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. Go blue and uh, have fun with those brackets. Take care, everybody. Drink it in, man.